our media strategy isn't predicated on betting. Before we ever got into the gaming business, that was our primary revenue driver for years and years and years. So that's a huge focus of ours and will continue to be. The vast majority of the stuff we're doing is intended to drive engagement into the media app and then leverage the tools that we have to give people the opportunity to bet. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Good afternoon, everyone. And if you're uh, if you're in London, like uh, like yours truly is, uh, it's uh, a good evening, good Thursday evening. Uh, welcome back to the Gaming News Canada show. I'm your I'm your host, Stephen McAllister, editor in chief of Gaming News Canada. Uh, a, a little bit groggy after slogging through uh, through three days of my first Ice London conference, but we're going to soldier on here over the next hour. We've got a couple of uh, a great guests and. Uh, as always, we're joined by Amanda Brewer from from Kinda Group, the Canadian Country Manager and Sightline Payments VP. Will Hill is back with us this week, which is uh, fantastic. So really, really happy, Will, that you're uh, you're back with us as well. Chris Abbott from Botanicals <laughs> joined us as well. Just to tee up the hour, we're really pleased to have Melissa Tony from the Responsible Gambling Council. We'll get Melissa in here in a second to talk about the RGC's latest survey around this this weekend Super Bowl and responsible gambling. Bobby Levy from the score is going to join us and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about the Super Bowl as well and we'll get Aubrey's thoughts on the score's performance in the Ontario market so far. If, if you didn't read the newsletter a couple of weeks ago, Penn Entertainment President Jay Snowden was pretty bullish on on the performance of, uh, of Penn thanks, thanks to the score. Uh, in Ontario through the first 10 months of the uh, Ontario market. But let's uh, let's get uh, Melissa Tony in here first. Melissa, the Associate uh, Director of Prevention Programs at RGC. Uh, if you saw it in the newsletter a few hours ago, RGC came out with a survey. And, and Melissa, th- thanks for joining. And I guess, first of all, th- this is a survey. It appears that RGC done, has done this survey on a few occasions around the Super Bowl. Hi, Steve. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm happy to have an opportunity to speak with everyone at London. Um, Yes, so RGC uh, tends to do this survey around the Super Bowl, basically because we know that it's a major sporting event. And so we are aware that a lot of people are normally planning to, you know, participate in lots of a celebration and, and betting around that time. And so we generally do it to have a better understanding of, you know, what some of the betting behaviors will be. Um, and of course, to kind of learn, you know, uh, the different ways people are looking at wagering. And then, of course, uh, to raise awareness of responsible gambling tips, just to help keep better safe and continuing to have fun during the Super Bowl. I just want to grab a few bullets from the release that, you, that went out, Melissa, earlier in the week. And uh, you know some results from the survey show that half of Ontario betters say they'll they'll place a, a wager on on Sunday's game between the the Chiefs and the Eagles. Eighty eight percent say that they plan to uh, to use at least one strategy to to manage your gambling risk. Yes, uh, I believe it's more than half. About fifty four percent are going to place a single bet on the outcome of the game. I'll maybe just turn over to you. Like, are are there any results from the survey that that, re, that really caught your eye or, or pieces of the survey that you would like to highlight with our audience? 
I think one of the main ones is that, uh, you know, many players will be um, watching the game with friends um, or will be participating in, in, you know, a betting pool. And these are especially um, important for us because we know that, you know, many bettors that are watching games with friends or in pools, you know, tend to want to be a little bit more competitive and therefore can be easily influenced perhaps to wager bets that they didn't plan on. So when we see these types of um, results, we start thinking about how can we support betters in making some of the better decisions so that they can keep themselves safe and have fun while they're betting. And it's funny, uh, Melissa, I, was, I had a chance to spend about a half an hour with Shelly White uh, today at, uh, at ICE and, and catching up with her and we got talking a little bit about the Super Bowl and uh, it feels if you're, if you're someone who hasn't done a lot of uh, betting uh, period uh, the Super Bowl I think can kind of suck you in a little bit because it's easy to you know bet on a coin flip and then bet on things around the halftime show and then you start exactly. betting on the game and and maybe you know you've lost a few bets in the first half and all suddenly you're trying you're hoping you can make up for it in the second half so mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm thinking the Super Bowl is one of those events where if, if you're not careful you could you could find yourself at the end of three or four hours having lost a fair bit of money you totally can you totally can and so that's why it's again it's so important for people to understand that you know you can have fun while you're wagering but there's a few things that you can do right so you know if you're new and you're planning on on, you know, wagering on some of the platforms um, or some of the licensed platforms, you know, we recommend that you take some time to familiarize yourself with some of the responsible gambling tools that are available to you on those platforms, just so that you know a bit of ahead of time how much you're getting into. Um, you know, start thinking about having a budget, you know, be clear on how much money you're willing to and, and you're able to bet and, and of course stay within that. Um, but more importantly, we learned that a lot of people who are going to be watching the game we'll be having some drinks. They might be at the bar, they might be at their friend's house, and that's fine. But we also know that sometimes using substances um, can impair your decision-making. So we really recommend that people kind of plan ahead, maybe have just a couple of them, um, limit them if you can, or maybe avoid it altogether for sure. A couple of other other, uh, findings from the survey, Melissa, you know, 54% saying that they'll bet $50 or less and another 26% saying they'll bet between $500 and $100. I think that kind of emphasizes that, that and again, I think this is something that, you know, Harley Redlick talked to me about back uh, 16, 18 months ago when, when I first started the newsletter and I was also writing a column for the Toronto Star about looking at a gambling budget like what you might spend on the evening out going out to dinner or going going to a to a movie and right. and I think it's it's it, as you mentioned earlier it, it is entertainment it's it's a chance to have some fun and just like any other entertainment endeavor whether it's going to a concert or or a theater or a sporting event um, most people do have a budget for that and you and you should be keeping that in mind when you're gambling. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that may be a challenge that we also learned from the survey um, is a lot of the betters, a lot of sports betters, feel that they have an edge because of their sports knowledge, right? So they may be going into it, they already have a bit of a budget and know what they're going to play with. 
But sometimes that thought of having that competitive edge because of their sports knowledge um, can allow people to sometimes be a little overconfident and then tend to bet a little bit more than they normally would have because they feel that there is less risk, right? So it's really being able to kind of keep that in check um, and recognize that, you know, regardless of how well you know the game or not, um, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of risk because you can't, it's a game of chance, so you can't control the outcomes, right? So again, just kind of you know preparing yourself for that you know uh, the game at the end could take a bit of a turn and and you know there goes your wager so just remembering that i think is really important and that goes back to the earlier point about this is entertainment it's meant to be fun and to that point melissa i mean it's the american gaming association put out uh, their own survey this week results and uh you know, indicating that, that over 50 million Americans are planning to gamble on the Super Bowl with with a total handle of about 16 billion dollars, which are just yes. are just staggering, uh, yes. are staggering figures, right? It is, it is, and I think what what could be even more staggering than that could be the the impact to people who perhaps aren't as lucky when they're where you know they're wagering those, those that amount of money, right? So it's the impact afterwards um, that we're really trying to mitigate by right? really encouraging people to just plan ahead before you know you know really kind of hold on to one or two of the tips that were mentioned here so that they're able to be in control and don't have a lot to worry about after the game is over. I have three veterans here with us as well. Amanda Brewer, Will Hill, and Chris Abbott, who have been around been around the the gaming space for for quite a while now. And uh, Amanda, I just wonder if you if you have a question for Melissa or, or just a thought uh, f- from what uh, from reading this the survey results or, or j- just on your previous knowledge around around the Super Bowl and betting. Well, I will apologize because I did not see the RGC survey that you're speaking about. I didn't see the AGA. Um, email that went around. Um, I think, you know, for at least speaking from the kindred perspective, Super Bowl isn't really a time where we go out there and see it as a massive customer acquisition tool. People may be coming in to do like one fun bet on Super Bowl um, and then we never see them again. So, you know, I would be shocked that a lot of operators are, are looking at this as a massive, you know, driver of customer acquisition. I think there are a lot of people like, you know, I put down dinner with my husband, you know, whoever wins buys the other one dinner. Um, so I think there's a lot of people who do that more kind of kind of casual betting. But agreed, Steve, I mean, we've always been very clear about gambling responsibly and gambling within your limits. And there are for a lot of people that, you know, $50 would be a large bet and other people can easily afford a thousand dollars and that won't be of any consequence to them one way or the other. So I think as long as people are gambling within their limits and they're gambling within their budgets and they are using this just, you know, for some fun as, as you know, they root for either the, you know, either of the teams that are playing on Sunday, uh, I personally will be, rooting for the chiefs. Um, I think that that's, you know, the responsible way to do it. And like I said, I don't think there's a lot of operators that are counting on really boosting their, their customer base just because of this. Well, Hill, did you want to chime in here? Yeah, sure. Um, as I was listening to Melissa speak, and, and by the way, thank you, Melissa, for joining. You, you offered some excellent, excellent points right up front of the show. Um, one thing that, that I think is, it was worth noting um, and absolutely worth underscoring was her advice about, you know, if you're, in a setting where you're having a few drinks, um, be mindful. Um, we know that with the comorbidity of addictions, um, a problem gambler is quite likely to be a problem smoker and a problem drinker, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's all regulated by the same portion of the brain that deals with self-regulation. Um, and so 
um, for that percentage of the population, however small that it is, um, do be mindful in, in that setting um, that, uh, that, that you're not mixing uh, the, uh, uh, the dangers of alcohol uh, against your gambling and your entertainment. Uh, because that, that can be problematic. So I thought that was an excellent point and worth reiterating. Thank you. Melissa, I do want to ask you, just, you know, there's so much awareness around, now around sports betting, in, especially in Ontario with, with the regulated marketplace. Uh, we've talked in this forum quite often, probably on a weekly basis now, about the amount of advertising around sports betting. Um, do you think what's happened in Ontario combined with the advertising, do you, do you think does that maybe push people to bet a bit more or is it actually a good thing because in a regulated marketplace, all these operators do have res responsible gambling programs? Uh, you know, we've, we've covered and I think the, the, the industry has covered the RGC's efforts around responsible gambling quite uh, in a quite a robust manner. And, and there is an awareness that, that there are places for people to turn if they do get themselves into a bit of trouble. That's actually a really good question. And so one of the things that we continue to focus on through our community outreach programming is really raising awareness around responsible gambling. Because while we don't have the data or the true understanding of the impact of um, advertising to underscore at this moment, we do recognize that it is out there and there's more conversations taking place. So we're actually doing a study to understand that. That now. Um, and so while we are kind of gaining that information and building our capacity and understanding the ways in which advertising has impacted communities, we still continue to kind of focus on doing more outreach and engagement and sharing of information around, you know, larger uh, sporting events, you know, like um, Super Bowl. You know, unfortunately, we weren't able to do it uh, when uh, for the soccer games in Qatar this year. But, you know, going forward, we'll continue to you know, do that outreach. Would you tend to be a little bit busier on a Super Bowl? Do you, do you have people reaching out to you or, or do you get more media requests or is this one of the times of the year where, where your office is, is scurrying a little bit more than usual? I would say we definitely are a little bit busier now. There definitely has been a huge influx of, of media requests. People are really interested in the data coming out. And again, to your earlier question, I do think it's because everybody is noticing um, that there's been a huge increase in advertising. So we certainly make an effort to connect with all of the media requests. Um, we also get people who just reach out to us from the community saying that they've noticed increases, right? So we're upping our prevention efforts as well. Um, as the data continues to come in, we look at what we can definitely use to continue to tap into communities and populations where, you know, there might be people who are having more impacts than most. Um, but I would definitely say this has been a very busy last few days. The last question for you, Melissa, and I'll, I'll give Amanda and, and Will a chance as well in case they have, they have any questions, is um, in a regular market now, do you maybe see doing more of these types of surveys, not just around the Super Bowl, but perhaps some other events, whether that's and, and Olympics or, you know, we have a Women's World Cup soccer tournament coming up this year and perhaps with the expectation that we're going to we are going to have more sports betters in the province that you might do more of these types of surveys. Absolutely. There is always, I think, opportunity for us to learn at the changing landscape um, of what's happening across the industry. All of our work is evidence-based. So everything that we develop um, and that we take to market and, um, you know, socialize um, um, is, is, you know, definitely rooted in research and data. So when it's possible, budget permitting, 
we certainly kind of keep a, a keen eye on what's taking place in the environment and look at those opportunities to dig a little bit deeper. Amanda, well, before we let Melissa go, is it, did, did you have a question or a further comment? I'll jump in. Um, sure. And let me uh, allow Miss Melissa the opportunity to uh, uh, put in a plug for a rather excellent organization, the RGC. Um, and I'll ask um, how things are moving along with your PlaySmart centers, which I think this audience would be especially interested in know, understanding know more about. Yes, I think our PlaySmart centers actually are really doing well. So um, for those who maybe aren't aware, PlaySmart centers are located in OLG run uh, casinos. It is a place where people who are coming in um, to our sorry, entertainment spaces have an ability to meet with staff in real time to gain responsible um, gambling information. Um, if they're looking for maybe just someone to kind of connect with and speak to if they're having a bit of a challenge or they're looking to self-exclude. Um, we're actually very happy uh, with the relationships um, that are being built in those spaces. Um, our PlaySmart staff are actively working with customers and providing support, um, and it's going really well. And relevant to the topic of this, this show, um, as more and more retail sports betting uh, rolls out at those casinos, the ability to offer customers uh, the chance to take a break um, or to get educated um, is you know in keeping with the excellence in responsible gambling in this province. So I, I, if I were wearing a hat today, I would tip it in your direction. Uh, very great work there by the RGC and OLG alike. I really appreciate those kind words. I'm definitely going to share that with the team. Um, I think sometimes they get so entrenched in kind of doing the work and know on the ground level that it's successful. It's nice to hear our, our colleagues and other other partners that we uh, respect and look to, um, to to get that feedback. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. Chris Abbott wanted to chime in here before you leave. It's super important, the, the work of responsible gaming councils um, everywhere. And I listen, I'm the target demographic myself. So I've been in a casino and overspent and seen, seen the, um, you know, the play smart type center there. And, and it, it just makes you stop and think for a minute. So I think even if people don't even make their way over um, or even if they don't enact the responsible gaming um, controls that are on websites, just knowing that they're there and being constant in the presence can be enough to, to make somebody stop and think. And, um, you know, for people who are gambling on the Super Bowl, especially, I think it's a, a good idea to place your bets in the morning or the afternoon, uh, put down the device, go enjoy it with, with family and friends, because it is about entertainment. And, um, you know, that that's what I'll be doing. Um, and probably losing, because I... I uh, there's a reason I work for an operator. It's not because I'm a good uh, sports setter, but um, uh, yeah, I think I think that's a super important point, and I don't think we can hammer it home enough. I really, really don't. That's uh, great advice, Chris. Um, Melissa uh, Tony from the Associate Director of Prevention Programs at the Responsible Gambling Council. I can't thank you enough, Melissa, for for joining us talking about the survey. And uh, we'd love to get you back here another another Thursday to chat again sometime. I would be more than happy to do that. Thank you so much, Steve, for the opportunity. And thanks to everyone who was part of this conversation. We really appreciate it. Great. Oh, thanks, and, and for, oh. for the record, I'm not, a, I'm not really a Super Bowl person, but I definitely be, will be watching because I have to see Rihanna perform. I'm all uh, about the halftime show. <laughs> okay, well, enjoy the game and the halftime show on, uh, on Sunday, Melissa.
I will. Thank you all very much. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, we're going to, I don't know if it's a responsible gambling council hat, but we're obviously going to find, have to find Will Hill a, a new hat so he can, he can bring it to the show every Thursday to, to tip it as he often, uh, as he often does. Um, I want to switch gears and uh, be, because I've been here at, at ICE London for the, for the week, I, I did want to spend a few minutes before we get Aubrey Levy here to, to talk about it. And Amanda, you you and I exchanged uh, emails this afternoon, and and um, again as a, as an ice newbie, um, just a couple of quick thoughts for me. I, I you know it's it's a massive show. I you know you and Will had warned me about the magnitude of the Global Gaming Expo in Las Vegas back in October, and and uh, I think both Mark Silver and I would agree that that was a big show. Uh, this is a whole other whole other level. Uh, two great big exhibit rooms, uh, kind of to the the left and right. And then when you go down the middle, it just seems like you walk forever to go from world regulatory briefings to uh, casino conference to to responsible gambling panels. Um, and Paul Burns mentioned to me at the Canadian Gaming Association reception last last night that. Um, that the the XL Center, which hosts this event, literally ran out of space, and that's one reason why there's now uh, a bidding process where I believe it's Madrid, Paris, and Barcelona, and, and Amanda, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, and, and London are are all in the running to host ICE. I think from beginning in 2025 through through 2029. So it, it was certainly a, a bit a bit overwhelming. Um, for me, uh, on the first day, I, I do want to give thanks to to uh, Chris Jones, the the communications chief for for uh, for ICE for his uh, all of his help and uh, for running a, a pretty neat and tidy uh, press room this week. Um, and, and the other thing I'll I'll say before I get to you, Amanda, is I you know I was talking to Shelley White a bit about this today, and, we were, and the one thing uh, that stuck out for me was that there was really um, uh, you know, across kind of a representation from all the different sectors of the industry. You know, whether it's uh, it's it's operators to, uh, to to online casino companies, to retail casino companies, to to, to fintech, uh, uh, other payment providers. Um, it, it just seemed that everybody in, in the industry was here, so I that I was certainly impressed by that. But uh, Amanda, I'll turn it over to you, and then I'll, I'll also get Will's uh, thoughts on on the conference. Yeah, well, as as you know, I was not there this year. It's the first ice I've missed since uh, it's resumed its normal operations. Um, just a lot going on on this side of the pond, uh, on the kindred side. Um, but I certainly had colleagues that were attending. And the thing with ICE, Steve, because now you've done G2E and ICE, so ICE is just a bigger version of G2E. And, you know, as a as a country manager, you know, my interest is, is really, you know, Ontario, Canada, North America. So the suppliers I have that would have been participating in ICE will also be over on the side of the ocean for G2E. So, you know, just in terms of opportunities to see suppliers, you know, that happens basically twice a year in Vegas and in London. So it wasn't a big loss for me not to have been over there, but um, it's a huge show. And uh, as, as I think you were warned, bring comfortable shoes um, and be prepared not to have any place to sit down while you're over there. So I suspect, you know, Clarion, having known um, the former head of Clarion, Kate Chambers, several years ago, um, this was a show that probably was receiving a lot of kind of grumbles and complaints about how far it was, how long it took to get there. 
um, how you're kind of trapped there. If you were out there, you couldn't hustle back quickly to the center of London by any stretch. Um, and how, you know, there just need to be more amenities for people, you know, places to charge your phone, places to, you know, store your coat or a bag, places to sit down. Um, so it's not a surprise that they've got an RFI out um, for another location that I think they're going to try and lock into for five years. But uh, Steve and I were just exchanging emails this morning because, as I said, I had some colleagues that were there. And one of them posted this morning in one of my chats that she had just come back and she was very surprised. Um, and these are her words to see that there are still companies um, rolling out the old cliches of objectifying women to sell their products. She said it was a small minority of companies, but it was still in existence. And she said there were scantily clad women dancing in a large champagne glass. There were shot girls and there was one stand where the women were all dressed up in galaxy style outfits. I guess it looked like they were from out of space, but the men on the stand were all in suits. So I, you know, it's, it's too bad that, you know, in 2023, we still feel that women, especially as we're trying to encourage them to work in this industry. Um, and as a woman who is working in this industry, you know, I don't think I'd be very impressed to walk in there, you know, trying to do business with some of these operators and, and encountering that. So that's unfortunate. Um, and we'll see if Clarion feels like cleaning that up um, as they go forward, because we certainly don't see that at, you know, SBC or, or ICE. Um, over here in in North America anymore. So I just share that as, you know, an observation that, that, you know, one of my colleagues had this morning. Yeah. And I think that's a fair comment, Amanda. And I said to you, I I hadn't really thought of it, but then once you brought it up, I kind of looked back at the two SBC summits that that I've been to and and G2E as as well. And, and obviously the Canadian gaming summit last June and yeah, there's not, uh, there definitely is a stark, stark difference when it uh when it comes to that I, I, and uh, i don't know if i've just become a bit oblivious to it from from having worked in the sports business for a lot of my life and and being to events like that but it's it's a great it's a great point and and there's no uh there's there's certainly no need for it um and uh, you know i will say it, it's on the other hand it was uh you know nice to sit in on the the uh, ontario roundtable discussion on on tuesday uh tuesday morning and have you know half the ta- half the table be be women and uh and you know martha Otten, the executive director of iGaming ontario kind of being front and center for that for that discussion um and then even last night being at the cga reception and having a chance to meet uh you know charmaine hogan from Playtech and and i would say there was quite a you know like a, a just a, a good mix of, of of men and women in in, in that form so it, it does feel like the scales are tipping and I, I did have a chance to you know i've spoken to kelly keen over zoom and and we've exchanged emails a few times and i finally had a chance to meet kelly uh yesterday and and she was talking about the a reception they had this week with uh, with women CEOs in the industry, and, and again, you can see that that you know there's greater representation in the executive suite than there's ever been. Yeah, and I think it just underscores the point too that with so many women now working in this industry, and especially holding CEO positions at some of the major operators, you know, like I I think it's just you know a reminder that you know we don't need to pander to sexism to sell product. And if that's really what it takes to sell your product, then I would submit that, you know, probably not a very good product. Anyway, I'm more interested in what you saw. I know I was getting pings from different people. So I know it was a, it was a, it was a busy, 
it was a busy show and it sounded like it was really busy. One of my suppliers let me know that things are going really well. So I'm just curious what, what you saw and heard and participated in. Yeah, and the first thing I'll do, Amanda, is I'll, I'll I apologize for our subscribers for getting uh, the newsletter an hour late today. It usually goes out at nine o'clock on Thursday mornings. To to be honest, I I just I talked to so many people over the last two and a half days that uh, uh, there was you know I, I spent uh, my evening last night transcribing audio and and uh, and then actually ran into a few people this, this morning. So just kind of lost myself then as sure as Amanda and, and Will and Chris know from having attended these conferences every time you sit down to try to concentrate for half an hour somebody comes up by your desk or whatever so that that, that happened as well which is fine I, I don't know if it's tunnel vision or not and and Will or, and Chris and Amanda you I, I want your perspective on this but uh and you know deliberate deliberately for me i did i did speak to an awful lot of people about ontario and, and canada i sat in on two panels that, that looked at ontario and canada so that certainly was the focus of of the newsletter today and and i did bank a bunch of interviews so over the next couple of weeks in the newsletter i'll, I'll have more more from my speaking with with people across the industry um, but as the headline said in the newsletter this morning, I mean, Ontario is like um, the kind of like the, the poster child for regulated gaming right now. And whether you're talking to, to, to Martha or, or uh, Dave Forrestal, who moderated, uh, moderated one of the panels uh, on Canada, uh, of course, Paul, Paul Burns, who's, who's here often. Uh, but you know, I ran into uh, ran into a Finnish lawyer yesterday, Andy Kuvala, who I'd met on LinkedIn, and I was talking to Andy, and Andy said he he can't have a conversation right now with any of his clients without Ontario coming up. Uh, you know, Warren Tristram, Tristram from uh, from Nuve was effusive in his praise for the market yesterday, and um, you know, basically said that. Uh, that every province that they should just be following following suit with what Ontario's done, and I got the sim similar uh, feedback from William Woodens, the, the CEO of Fitzderis. Uh, had a chance to to meet with William and um, Fitzderis's uh, director of, of growth, uh, Tristan Wooten, on Monday, and and um, William's comment basically was other provinces should just cut and paste what what Ontario's done. So. Uh, well, I'll maybe start with you. I don't know if you had a chance to talk the newsletter. Maybe, maybe you'll do some course correction for me and, and say that you know my focus Ontario was maybe was maybe a bit overblown. But I I'd love to get your perspective on this. This is actually uh, the second time in a decade that Ontario has been the darling of the industry. Uh, when I was at OLG and we launched our modernization program that took casinos that were owned and operated by the agency. Um, and tendered them out in geographically synergistic bundles to private service providers, um, we had interest from all over the world. Uh, we had to hold special seminars at, at events like G2E um, to entertain all the interest from operators uh, globally um, in the casinos in Ontario. So flash forward a decade later, and on April 4th, uh, the green light is given. Um, and we start off with a dozen operators, and over time, uh, we've quintupled that number, at least the number of brands that are that are alive. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's doing well. I mean, as we finally saw in the Q3 results, or at least uh, October through December uh, 31 of, of 2022, uh, we're now getting a more accurate and true reflection of what this market compare, and it's significant. Uh, and and the reasons it's significant are pretty obvious. 
you're talking about a province of 15 million people um, where it is the largest jurisdiction in North America that allows for both online casino and sportsbook. There's, there's no other jurisdiction that comes close in terms of size of population that allows for both of those activities um, individually or collectively taken together under sort of one umbrella from an operator. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be significant. What I find fascinating is when you're hearing at these conferences in faraway places, Las Vegas, London, et cetera, about the interest in Ontario and, and about the interest then in Canada and about the idea of cutting and pasting or replicating and duplicating the Ontario model in multiple other Canadian provinces, um, is if there's interest and people are talking about it abroad, well, chances are uh, they're reaching out to people locally um, to begin uh, taking a message uh, to the Alberta legislature, to British Columbia, to Quebec, and saying, hey, you know, look at what's happened in Ontario. There is further opportunity. Um, I've, I've often remarked that if, if Ontario um, is, is an unqualified success, and I would think to, to date it, it, it almost certainly nearly qualifies, um, then there's going to be a series of dominoes, and I'm not sure how long it's going to take. I mean, I always said that government aspires to move at the speed of business, but typically moves at the speed of caramel. Um, so it, it could still take a while, uh, but you know, when you hear about this interest abroad, um, there could be local ramifications, and it could be a further expansion of this gaming industry uh, beyond the borders of here, our home province. Right. Chris Abbott? You know, Steve, this morning uh, when I was reading the newsletter, I, I chuckled a little bit because um, I think it depends who you ask about how big of a success Ontario is for your company. I think if you ask a payment provider, if you ask the government coffers, if you ask the media companies, if you ask um, affiliates, then cumulatively the, the market is booming. Um, I think there's a lot of operators that individually are feeling a lot of pain points. And I don't think there's a lot of operators that are super profitable at this point. And when we talk about expanding into other provinces, I wonder how many will rush to be operator number 38 in BC or Alberta, um, given the landscape. And if it has the same regulatory guardrails, as I certainly believe it will and should, mind you, when it comes to affiliates, when it comes to, to um, uh, inducements and things like that. I think the traditional model of many gaming companies is being turned on its head. Um, and I think that remains to be seen how the rest of Canada uh, and this Ontario experiment plays out long term. I think we all understand that there will be consolidation. But, um, for example, I had a a proposal come across my desk for um, Stanley Cup playoffs TV advertising this afternoon, and I'm looking at the number and I'm like, "How much do you want to do you want to invest in in this TV stuff?" Because there's so many groups, there's so many uh, brands doing so, and the reports we get back is that most consumers cannot identify which brand is doing what or whose tagline is what. So it's very interesting to me to see that success is being trumpeted as a whole. But I think many of the players that are contributing to that from the operator side are facing some really strong headwinds. So that's kind of where my brain is on it from an operator side. Sure. No, that's great stuff, Chris. Amanda? 
Yeah, Chris speaks a lot of the truth. And I think, you know, with all the excitement that IGO and AGCO deservedly has over how many operators are coming in and the growth of the market, um, and, and not to take away from any of that, um, I don't think that long term this market is going to sustain the number of operators that are currently in it. Because to Chris's point, this is a very expensive market to operate in, um, not just the licensing fee and the weekly GGR remittance that we put in, but there's all kinds of audits that have dollar figures attached to them, mandatory RG check accreditation that will be based on the number of websites you have in the market times, you know, many tens of thousands of dollars. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's more that goes on from that. So it's expensive. And, you know, when you're not, you know, able to compete, you know, in debt, <laughs> You're not you're not able to go in debt in order to acquire your customers. If you're, you know, your 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 parent company expects you to be, you know, building a sustainable, you know, growth here and to be doing things responsibly in terms of your marketing spend and your customer acquisition spend, then it's going to be a really tough market to compete in. So trying to transplant what Ontario has anywhere else in this province, I think, is is a bit of a pipe dream. I think licensing and regulating is is the right goal to have for other provinces, but to just take Ontario's model and dump it somewhere else. Um, I personally, having been an operator since day one here, there are a lot of things about Ontario's model that I still think need to be refined, changed and or eliminated because it's it's still creating a lot of pain points for the operators. So I think the conversation really with other markets isn't about the cut and paste of Ontario's regulations. I think it's about having an open dialogue with those other jurisdictions about licensing and regulating the rest of the gaming market that isn't currently licensed and regulated by them and then figuring out what solution makes sense for them. It could be it's 50% of Ontario's model. It could be it's 83% of Ontario's model. It could be it's 0% of Ontario's model. But yeah, I, I would, I, as an operator in this, in this market for nine, 10 months now, there are still things that we need to fix here because it's, it's not complete smooth sailing. Well, I just wonder, given the, both Amanda and Chris brought up some great points, did you did you just wanted to come come back to that a little bit? The one thing that I would say, the advantage for Amanda, Chris, their respective employers and other operators is precisely what I mentioned a moment ago, um, that this is a jurisdiction that has allowed for both online casino and sportsbook. Um, in other, you know, the the, the, the perils of cost costs that that. Chris raises um, are even worse in other jurisdictions where there's only sportsbook allowed because we, we've all talked previously about how, how perilously thin the margins are in sportsbook, uh, whereas online casino and a systemic advantage to the house, there's, there's a greater profit margin. Um, so having online casino here is such a big boost in addition to uh, sports betting um, that allows for operators uh, to uh, enjoy themselves in the market more <laughs> than uh, uh, than perhaps they might otherwise, um, and you know speaks to why why many of them um, have been so bullish on 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 this market and 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 what it's uh, uh, what it's availed to them thus far. We've talked about this here. But it feels like almost every every Thursday, but uh, I think we've all mentioned at some point there will be a pulling back of advertising. I mean, is that something? And the reason I bring it up as well is just. Not having watched a lot of television here this this week, but p planning to uh, because I'm staying staying in London a few extra days is 
uh, you know, I, I don't think I've seen one sports book ad yet. I've, I've seen some uh, I've seen some ads uh, promoting safer gaming from um, from from safer gambling advocates. Um, but you know, a pulling back of the advertising, I guess. A, do you see that happening in in the near future? And B, is that the kind of thing that would that would help uh, that would help operators from a, from financial standpoint, or is it or is it just a very small piece of the pie? Well, I think it depends on which operator you are, um, uh, because some companies have decided we're willing to go millions and millions and millions of dollars in the hole to outspend the competition and wait for them to leave and then they could pull it back and that's the business model of of some of our competitors um i think with with 40 operators that could take some time and the you know it, it could be quite quite costly um i don't think you're going to see a real quick um pullback on the amount of advertising because the folks that are selling advertising um, need the money, uh, frankly. I mean, the, there's, there's a lot of media companies um, for the last few years have been even telling employees who've been looking for raises. And, and I've got this, you know, anecdotally from people who have worked in some of these companies. Well, when we, when we get the gambling money, you know, when we get the gambling money. So it's, it's kind of the goose that laid the golden egg for now. And at some point, whether it's, um, legislation such as we see where you are in England right now, or companies just ultimately decide we, you know, we can't do this. I think it'll happen, I, but I don't think it's certainly going to happen for the Stanley cup playoffs. So I think if I'm working for, um, you know, a media rights holder for one of the, for one of the leagues right now, I'm, I'm putting massive prices on it because people are paying it. And that's, that's one of the things when you live in a, a free and open country with a free and open market that the value of something is only what somebody's willing to pay. <laughs> so um, that's a long-winded way of saying it will happen. Uh, whether it's legislated or done by industry remains to be seen, but I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Absolutely. Uh, Amanda, before we get Aubrey Levy in here, I just want to ask you, you know, it was uh, one of the questions that came up in the, the Unlocking Canada discussion yesterday was, uh, that domino effect that one of you referred to, and and uh, uh, Warren Tristram from Nube, he he speculated and said he had been told by people in the industry that Alberta could could be doing opening up the market as uh, early as the end of 2023, and and uh, you know asked a few people about that last night, and they weren't <laughs> nearly as confident. But I, I think it was also brought up. I think there are three. Three election, three provincial elections across the country this year, and and that those could have some kind of an impact on whether other provinces follow suit. Like, do you? I'm not asking you to, uh, you know, I'm I'm not asking you to stick your neck out here, but just just your thoughts on on when when we could see other provinces uh, expand their markets beyond the lottery corporations. Yeah, I know Warren. He's a great guy, but I don't know how he'd have any kind of inside track on what's happening in any province. Um, yeah, Alberta, Daniel Smith has to try and get reelected first. I think the provincial election goes in May in Alberta. So nothing will be happening in Alberta until we know if that government is coming back. Um, that government, I would assume, is very pro, um, pro-regulation, pro-revenue generation, um, most most provincial governments are, um, but I can't see anything opening up before um, the end of this year because that doesn't leave anyone with a lot of time to get anything done. Um, 
we've talked before that in terms of population, really for most operators, the only two other provinces that have the population to support any kind of investment would be, um, other than Alberta, would be British Columbia and Quebec. Um, and I don't see those either of those provinces moving very quickly overnight either. Um, I know that a lot of operators, well, I shouldn't say a lot. I know several operators have retained lobbyists. I know those lobbyists are very busy right now. Um, you know, traveling across to those provinces and, and trying to have meetings. Um, but I think it's probably going to be a while before we see a single province decide to go. And again, you know, this is going to be a political decision. It's not going to be a lottery corporation willingly giving up its monopoly. It will be the decision of a finance minister um, or an attorney general in that respective province that will direct the lottery corporation slash regulator to make a model, create a model, launch a model. So we'll have to kind of keep our eye on on that side of things uh, to get a sense of what may be possible in another province in the next year or two or three or four. Yeah. Uh, well, just, we're just waiting for Aubrey to, to raise his hand and, and we'll get him in the room here. But just, just quickly, any other thoughts in, with regards to other provinces jumping in? Yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, the three key events, the, the three provincial elections, because quite frankly, uh, my experience in, in more than a dozen years now of, of Canadian gaming um, is that no government official worth his or her salt wants to be talking about government-run gambling in the lead-up to an election. It's just not a winning issue. Um, so typically what happens is movement is made um, after an election uh, or well removed from an election uh, to allow for uh, uh, to things to move forward. So um, in those provinces where there are people going to the polls this year exercising their right to franchise, well, um, there's likely not going to be much progress there. Uh, but that's not to say there isn't going to be activity going um, on that could lend itself to, uh, to future activity. Great. We want to welcome Aubrey Levy, the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Content, Head of Esports at The Score slash Penn Entertainment. Aubrey, uh, thanks thanks for coming back. I think it's, it's been a while since we last had you in this forum. Hey, Steve. Hi, everyone. Yeah, good to be back. Good to talk to you. Hey, Aubrey, I want to start. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, and, and uh, uh, I'm sure Chris, Chris Abbott and uh, Amanda Brewer want to jump in here too. But before we get to the Super Bowl, um, you know, Jade Snowden, your your boss, had some pretty uh, pretty great things to say about uh, Penn's performance in Ontario so far a, a week or so ago when when your uh, latest financials came out and and uh, you know Jay was obviously thrilled with the things way things have gone in Ontario so far and I I think. Um, you know, th- this will make your dad feel good, but I think John John was proven right when we when, when when we started this newsletter two years ago. I think John was one of the first people I spoke to, and he talked about the the quote home field advantage and and the brand recognition. And are we seeing that that's that's been borne out here? Well, look, John is certainly not shy or sets low expectations, <laughs> so it it uh, he made it pretty clear for all of us uh, the kind of impact he thought that he wanted us to have in, in Ontario. But I think. Yeah, look, I think Ontario is proving to be a great showcase territory for us as an organization. It shows what we can accomplish when we can marry a powerful brand with uh, a purpose-built and totally owned and custom technology stack that lets us operate um, as nimbly and as effectively as we want and need to. Um, 
And I think, you know, Jay's enthusiasm um, is, is certainly shared by me and shared by the company and, and, and all of us like John, who thought there was this potential for us in Ontario that, you know, once we could unleash, you know, the Ferrari of our technology, I think, as Jay called it, um, it would yield the kind of results we're seeing. So, yeah, Ontario is hugely exciting. And I think the name of the game for us is that the playbook that we're establishing in Ontario will look to bring down to the U.S. as we migrate um, our Barcelona Sportsbook product onto our score technology stack. Right. That's a nice segue to, to Sunday. And, uh, you know, just give you a form, Aubrey, and I'm going to do the same for, for Chris as well and, and Amanda, just just what your your plans are are for the Super Bowl. I've obviously, you know, we dedicated a section of newsletter to it today, and, and we know that uh, that operators are going to be pr- promoting bets heavily and that, that the Super Bowl is one of those unique events where you're just not betting on what Patrick Mahomes and uh, and Jalen Hurts are going to do, but we're betting on Rihanna and, and coin tosses and the color of Gatorade and everything else. But maybe you can just give us uh, the Sparks Nose version of what uh, what your plans are for, for the weekend. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, this is... The first Super Bowl in the regulated Ontario market. I think there's a ton of excitement and anticipated demand for it. Um, and like I said, for with our tech stack, the first time we're taking it out for a walk for this event, so uh, or for a run, hopefully I should say. So yeah, I mean it, it's all of those markets you mentioned, Steve. Coin toss, the Gatorade pour. Um, I think in total we're gonna have over three, maybe four hundred markets available uh, uh, in and around the game. Um, so Super Bowl is a full, gets the kind of full 360 treatment. Um, and I think the only other thing for us, apart from the full court press that we're making as a sports book, which I assume all sports books, uh, are, 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 are likely doing in province is how we're treating it from the media side too. Right? We have bodies on the ground in Arizona covering the event from a media perspective. We're going to have, uh, uh, wide breadth of betting content flowing through a betting river and the score and the score. So it's like most things for us, media kind of is the origination point of our uh, kind of strategic approach and then betting ladders on top of it or ladders to it or uh, connects into it, I should say. So yeah, it's going to be a full court press across the board. Yeah. Chris, did you want to jump, jump in here on, on behalf of Botano? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's our first one in Canada. Um, for everyone's regulated, it is, but our, our brand's very new. So, um, yeah, same thing. We've got, uh, you know, contracted journalists on the ground. Um, our social media is still developing, so it's, it's a little bit tough that way, but... Um, you know all the Google stuff, all the all the paid social stuff. Um, we've got, you know, last I checked, uh, pushing 600 markets uh, everywhere from what will Rihanna's hairstyle be to, you know, will Travis Kelsey score a touchdown? So um, plenty plenty going on. It's uh, traditionally, in my experience, been the best acquisition day um, that we have every year. Um, so so we fully expect that and. And me personally, I just hope to sit back and enjoy the game and, like I said, not lose too much money personally. Yeah, man, I know Kinders lean really heavily into the online casino side of the business in Canada, and that's your, that's your primary focus. But are, are you privy to any of the conversations that have happened with with Unibet and other jurisdictions? And, and, and Oh, nobody the- ignores Super Bowl, <laughs> not North America, Steve. Um, yeah, we're a casino first, but nobody will ignore Super Bowl. Now, we're not throwing a ton of money into media um, or any sort of activations here. 
Um, we do have a number of jurisdictions we are in in the states as well. So we're, we use Canby. Canby used to be a kindred, wholly owned kindred company. So Canby, I believe you have a link to their press release uh, in your lineup today. So it's the bet builder for the cash out in game, um, which is a first uh, for them with the Super Bowl and they're expanding a whole bunch of different kind of multi and same game parlays um, and a lot of pregame in-game bet builders for any stage of the game. So yeah, that's something that uh, we're going to be really happy that our customers are going to be able to use and just looking forward to a really fun Super Bowl and halftime show. So, you know, as I said, this is not a um, massive acquisition tool for us, for customers. Um, we try to make sure current customers are, you know, well taken care of and, you know, don't have any any uh, issues with, the, you know, placing their bets, cashing their bets um, with the tech. But really, this is us just about celebrating this really great day, really fun day. Um, and then sort of back to business. So yeah, a lot of operators will spike um, in terms of customers, but you you tend to get a lot of casual customers who will come in, create an account, place a bet, and then you might not see them again for a very long time. Hey, Aubrey, there's been so much talk about about same-game parlays and in-game betting and and micro-betting. I mean, do you you anticipate any... Seismic is probably an over-exaggeration, but every any significant shift in betting activity uh, this year compared, say, with last year or, or perhaps, you know, two or three years ago? I mean, we rolled out our Parlay Plus product in Ontario recently, a couple months ago, and have been incredibly impressed by the activity on it. So I think it's same-game Parlays is clearly a, a market offering that audiences love. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, especially with the volume of available props on the Super Bowl, to see a lot of same-game parlay action going on. Um, yeah. 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 I want to ask you, too, just when you mentioned the media and being on site, Aubrey, and, and again, something that we've discussed here, we, we talk about in the newsletter often, is, is companies trying to find that sweet spot uh merging merging betting content and and you know covering covering sports itself and what you know do you think you guys are kind of in that that sweet spot yet and and what what kind of content are you are you looking looking to do that you know not only are you appealing to the people you know are, are betting on a regular basis but maybe someone who wants to dip their toes in the water or, or one of your customers that doesn't bet a lot but they're going to want to do so do so on sunday to amanda's point yeah uh, I, th- I think for us, um, the difference is our media strategy isn't predicated on betting. It's predicated on just what's the right media offering. Like we have guys on the ground, like one of our social talent, Brad Parker and Jordan Schultz, our NFL insider. Like those guys, the vast majority of the content they're creating is purely for media consumption. Right? It's to get engaging content across the app and across social. And the content I've seen them do so far, it's been high performing. It's been great. And then we'll figure out like the right touch points right like, like it's i think the challenge for a lot of sports book first operators most of them try to ladder up to some sort of media strategy for user acquisition to get to a um some sort of you know a kind of owned or or at least heavily leased or exclusively leased top of funnel uh opportunity is a lot of them look at it through the lens of okay well this is this is primarily to service as a, a conversion to betting and i think a lot of times that produces unfulfilling media content. It's pretty transparent to the end consumer that it's lead generated and it's lead generating by intent and not supposed to be you know, media that's consumed as sports media first. So I think for us, the, 
the, the vast majority of the focus we're doing. Um, even the Betty editorial, to be honest. I mean, we have a, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a sample of how we're making sure we're catering to wide breadth, but um, it's intended to be content that stands on its own first and foremost. Now, given the size and and kind of awareness around this event, we have a whole whack of, you know, like betting 101 in the Super Bowl and a whole bunch of, uh, call it newbie betting content that helps explain and, and step people into the event. Um, but the vast majority of this stuff we're doing is intended to just be good media consumption and then drive engagement into the into the media app and then leverage the tools that we have, like our integrated markets and bet slip on the box score to give people the opportunity to bet as and when they want to, not force them to do it necessarily from an Instagram story or a piece of editorial that might be there primarily for media consumption. Yeah, I think that's been the struggle for some media companies, Aubrey, that they've they've done it the other way where they've tried to force betting content on the sports fans. And, and we I think that's explained some of the backlash we've seen where I think people confuse the the avalanche of advertising with some of the some of the betting content that's been done oh i think i trust me uh, there's no shortage of advertising i think to uh get people um uh get people's attendance attendance up in and of itself but you're right the lines can get a little muddy depending on the activity that they're taking it will hell we just got a couple minutes left but i thought you you might put on your sports fan hat and you might you might have a question for for aubrey uh and or chris yeah, a commentary that will likely lead into a question or at least a, a comment that will likely make Aubrey blush. I, I want to circle back to where you began this segment, um, talking about Jay Snowden giving quarterly financials. Um, and let the audience know that the gentleman in question, Jay Snowden, runs a company that has 44 casinos across North America, runs the Barstool Sportsbook, and runs the Score Bet and Score Media and Gaming. So this is no smaller inconsequential company. Um, and in, in amidst all their activities, he singularly pointed to the score as being the greatest source of their success, um, not just uh, in terms of online casino or sports book and their activity here in Ontario, uh, but also in terms of leveraging the technical stack that they've built to migrate Barstool over, uh, which I think is, is an, an incredible compliment to uh, what uh, Aubrey, his family, and uh, their corporate family have built here in Ontario, an incredible made in Canada success story, um, that they're the ones doing all the heavy lifting and putting all the plumbing in place for a broader North American online and regional gaming operator. I, I think it's, it's absolutely remarkable. Uh, so I know it must have been a special point of pride. And Maybe what I'll what I'll ask, and, and perhaps this is a little bit too much inside baseball, but but Aubrey, how is the uh, the barstool migration going, um, and uh, um, what's what's happening there? Will I love you? Like literally, uh, you're, uh, if I ever if I ever become a stand up comic, you're my hype man. I mean, you're coming on the road <laughs> with me. Um, it yeah, I mean, it is incredibly fulfilling that. Um, we're seeing the payoff of all the work that the team has put in, uh, and that internally at Penn, it's been it's given the the kind of recognition and the focus that it is. Um, and I think Jay's not been shy that there's a big concerted digital strategy that they're undertaking at Penn. They believe in media led gaming with Barcel south of the border, score north of the border, well, score across North America, but driving to score bet in Canada, Barcel Sportsbook south of the border. So. Ontario was was really the showcase of the first time that we were going to bring this out. And the fact that we've um, been able to do it and kind of 
put ourselves in the position we've been in, um, that it's the leading market for us in the company, given just how competitive it is, it's hugely um, fulfilling for us. Because, you know, uh, our product engineering team, they've been building this technology stack for three years, which in and of itself to go soup to nuts on a technology stack for regulated gaming in three years is some sort of stupid Herculean effort um, in the first place. But then to see it um, kind of just how the, the engine purrs on it is just amazing. So that's um, so that's that, and then to the migration piece, yeah, look, we're it is a full scale internal effort to to make this migration happen seamlessly and effectively, and um, we're plugging away and fully expected that we're going to deliver that migration as Jay said this year, um, as expected. Hey, Aubrey, just one last question before we we wrap up here. I mean, are you? You know, given what you're doing on the media side, are you able to monetize that that content through through selling ads? Oh, I mean, uh, Steve, that's that's our pro- that before we ever got into the gaming business, that was our primary line of revenue generation. And right? we have uh, incredibly talented um, sales teams north of the border and south of the border. Um, and touching back to my point about media, because at the end of the day, engagement drives sales, right? So it's you know, I think we we said we were up. Um, like 35% on engagement year over year, quarter to quarter for, uh, for the media app. So it, the focus on building that business only helps across the board, right? It raises the tide. It helps our sales guys uh, drive even more sales revenue. It helps um, drive even more engagement that cuts over to the book. So yeah, the, the quick answer there, Steve, is, is sales is not, um, uh, it's, it's not a minor opportunity. That was our primary revenue driver for years and years and years. So that's a huge focus of ours. Um, uh, and will continue to be. Just one, one sorry, Aubrey, I lied. One last question. Yeah, are you guys planning any <laughs> kind of active activation, or like, are we going to see sightline seats above the CN Tower on on Sunday with with a television set, or can we that your where your dad will be serving uh, beer and pizza? <laughs> yeah, we we are going to activate. You're not going to see that for this. You're going to have to stay <laughs> tuned for Canadian Open this year. Um, I'm not going to tip my hand at what we're going to do. But uh, in my mind, we set the bar last year and we have to, to surpass it this year. So no small feat for the team internally. But we are going to do We are going to activate this weekend. Stay tuned. I checked before to see if we had announced it today. We had and I think it would be coming out imminently. But Gordon and Dan will share that over as soon as we do. I'm not trying to overhype. You're not going to get Skyline seats for Super Bowl. Um, but we are going to show up in the province uh, and celebrate it with some experiential activation. Okay, great. Uh, Chris, you uh, Batano do anything, anything for Sunday? Nothing, uh, nothing of of that uh, nature. No, we're still we're still pretty young in our in our in our role here. So um, we hope to do some more things like that later on down the road. And uh, um, stay tuned. I would say is the is the best uh, the best I could say there. But I mean, um, just Aubrey, you guys, uh, hats off to to the success you're having. And I think. Um, a lot of operators are jealous of the fact that, you know, you already have that built in known media um, component. And we've talked about it here before, just that a lot of the stuff that's being produced is, is um, it, it's clear to see um, the intent and, it, and it's not always landing. So I think that's certainly a major advantage that you guys are holding over there. So continued success. Thank you very much, Chris. You and others are certainly not making it easy. Um, this market is a knife fight. It's crazy just how competitive this market is. And clearly, as, as evidenced by how the market's growing and, and the number of operators and brands, there's a ton of opportunity to go around here for everybody. 
Yeah, it's funny. Just on that note, Aubrey, at the conference this week here in London, they, they talked, you know, Martha Otten from IGO mentioned the 40 operators in the province right now. And, and before she spoke on uh, Tuesday, there was a government representative on stage from Carrasco uh, talking about 600 operators and 8,000 websites in that country and how the government is trying to clamp down now and, and put, put a regulatory framework in place. So, uh, you know, the 40 operators doesn't sound quite so crowded when you when you hear those uh, numbers. Um, just quickly, just on the Super Bowl front, uh, in the newsletter today, I had a chance to, to sit down with uh, William Woodhams and, and Tristan Wooten from, from Fitzderis, which launched in Ontario this week. Um, they're hosting a, a Super Bowl party at at Harbor 60 on uh, on Sunday afternoon. So, I mean, for someone who's used to eating chicken wings and pizza watching the Super Bowl, I think I think those folks are going to be enjoying the game in a in a different stratosphere, dining on on steak and steak and lobster. Uh, I know Homestand Sports is collaborating with Bet 99 on a on a Super Bowl or a pregame Super Bowl show at the Rec Room in Toronto that uh, that Sarah said's going to be be hosting. Um, obviously, an ex- exciting weekend for for the industry, and uh, and we'll we'll cover we'll cover it off in the newsletter uh, next week, and and we may even have a bit of a post Super Bowl discussion on on LinkedIn Audio next Thursday. Uh, Aubrey Levy, uh, Senior VP of Marketing and Content and Head of Esports at, at the Score. Uh, great to have you back again Aubrey and and like Chris Abbott and, and Amanda Brewer and Will Hill there's there's always an open invitation for you to join us so re- really appreciate you taking some time out of your day thanks Steve really appreciate it great to talk to you again Chris Will Amanda nice chatting with you and thanks to the audience for hanging in we we went a little little longer today but uh, great conversation thanks to to Will and Chris and Amanda and, and Aubrey um would encourage everybody to uh, if you want to get a little more bit more information on what happened at ice um please uh, read today's newsletter subscribe to the newsletter as i mentioned off the top we'll uh, we'll have more on the conference over the next uh next couple of weeks um everybody please en- enjoy your weekend enjoy the game on sunday um be responsible whether or not it's uh, you know having a few drinks or or, or making bets do, do please do so safely and if, if you're drinking please don't uh drive uh and we will be back here a week from now on linkedin audio and don't forget we we take these linkedin audio shows we record them and uh, Mark Silver, the, the CEO and co-founder of, of Parley Media Group, Mark puts on his executive producer hat on Friday and Saturday, and, and we shoot out this podcast on, on Sunday morning. So thanks again, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll look forward to talking to you in seven days' time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.